Hey, Freedom Fighters. This is David Delaney with 10 Bound. Thank you so much for listening to the Sales Development Podcast and tuning in each week. You are amazing. Sales development is the hardest job on the go-to-market team, and you do it well every day, and we appreciate you being here. Hey, I wanted to really quickly let you know about a project that we've been working on over the last couple months that we launched a beta version over at 10bound.com forward slash directory. And what this is, is a directory to help you out as you're looking for products and services that support your sales development efforts. As you may know, we have developed the first sales development industry market map where we pull together the very, very specialized products and services that are created to help you hit your sales development goals. And the number one the request that we got after we developed the market map is, hey, how do I double click on this and learn more about the companies, products and services that are on the market map here on Tambound? And we didn't have anything like that. You could just basically download the market map and kind of use it as a guide to start looking at some of these other companies that you may need for your sales development strategy. So we developed the directory. And what it is, is basically you look at the market map, you look at the quadrant that you're interested in. So say you're shopping for outsourced SDR services, or you're looking at all the different availabilities around sales engagement platforms that are there. Now you can actually double click on that, go to the directory, and each one of the companies will have their own page, a showcase page where they can put down very quickly, okay, what's the difference between them and the other ones? What's their value prop? What are their case studies? And how do I get in touch with them? You know, boom, 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 an easy way for you to, to check whether they're legit. This is a beta version, so we're going to be developing more robust capabilities so that you can save companies, look at their various ratings on rating sites, and have that all in one place as you're doing your sales development research. So we're really excited about that. If you are a company that sells to the sales development community, be sure to claim your profile, get on there, register, get your page up, get your value prop up, get a few differentiators so that people know about you and they don't have to go to you know, a bunch of different sites. They can just start to gather that information in one place. And be sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know what it's missing, what would help you to be able to determine your sales development strategy and companies that you use that aren't on the market map and are not in the directory, but should be that have really helped you to achieve your sales development goals. So again, it's 10bound.com forward slash directory. Get on there, check it out. Let us know what you think. Thanks. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the sales development podcast. I am honored to be on the line all the way across the country in beautiful New York City, the boroughs at least, with Mo Moran, Director of Sales Development at Greenhouse Software. How are you doing today, Mo? Doing fantastic, David. The honor is mine. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. We were introduced by our friend Pete over at Modern Sales Pros, who's a wonderful, wonderful connector. He's the man. He is definitely the man. And he has told me amazing things about you and what you're building. I am stoked to introduce you to the audience. I mean, if you guys go over to Mo's LinkedIn page, you can see just an incredible career trajectory 
I want to dig in, learn your secrets and share your background with the audience and, and how you got into sales development. Yeah, thanks so much for doing a little bit of research. That's the SDR in you, I think. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yes, I would be more than happy to speak a little bit about my background, especially as it might relate to those of you listening who are trying to figure out your own career path, but maybe you're just getting started. Maybe you know, you're well on your way and trying to understand what your options are. But I'll start back to my first formal sales role, which was back in 2012 at Yelp awesome place to start my career. I have nothing but great things to draw back on in terms of my experience. So I started in 2012 in the New York office, which was pretty small at the time. So it was a really cool company that had a lot of best practices in place that still felt, you know, like it was on its on its way to getting started and entering into a new phase right after the company IPO'd. And what's funny is, so I was just at a wedding this weekend with a bunch of people that I started with. So I was really reminded of, you know, a lot of what made our culture so strong. And a few things come to mind. Like I kind of think about my career in these different chapters, especially as I reflect. It's like, what did I learn each step of the way that has now, you know, led me to drawing on the foundation that I think about all the time. And I think the thing about your career trajectory in general to remember kind of as you, you know, as I tell this story and as you're thinking about yourself is really not all paths are linear. You know, we think about and we speak about careers in terms of ladders and paths and journeys. And, you know, it's certainly not a linear one size fits all option. So I like to think about, you know, my experience in the same way. But I think the first few things that Yelp really gave me in terms of a first sales career was the ability to enter into an atmosphere with a really strong culture. So something I think about all the time is, especially as a sales leader, is the power of a strong culture and what goes into that. And I think that's sort of this combination of a strong foundation of onboarding and training, and then a constant spirit of self-improvement. So there was a quote that a director used to say, which is, today's fish are wrapped in yesterday's newspaper, which means like, what you did yesterday may have been great or terrible, but you really need to be thinking about today, this new week, this new month, this new quarter, in terms of how you're going to reinvent yourself and how you're going to you know, set new goals and set even higher stretch goals and new things you're going to do to innovate upon your process. And then another story that I was hiking this weekend in Santa Barbara, which is like very exciting for me being from the East Coast. And I was hiking with a former Yelper and we were remembering the power of being bought in. So I think in order to have a strong career, it's incredibly important to find a place where you can really be bought into the mission of what you're selling and what you're doing as a sales team. That's something I certainly draw on today, you know, in my current role. And then it taught me also, you know, my favorite attribute of them all, both in myself and anybody that I'm working with, which is how to be coachable. Because today as a sales leader, you know, I talk a lot to my team about the importance of being coachable, but I do like to reflect on my personal journey with understanding what it meant to be coachable. So I think there can be this perspective that like, if you're not coachable, you're really just resistant to management or to other ways of doing things. And I remember my first experience or challenge with being coachable was actually this stubbornness of wanting to prove it. So to speak, like, you know, I knew maybe I wasn't doing this one thing as good as my peers. And instead of just asking for help, I would try to figure it out myself. And there's elements of that that I appreciate, you know, 
seeking out information, maybe in your internal resources, maybe even a Google search, maybe it's in Salesforce. But I think the power of asking for help early in the space where you're doing that with your manager or your leader is incredibly important. So sometimes people will ask me, you know, what, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself? And the number one thing that sticks out in my mind is I wish that I would have uh, practiced that element of asking for feedback way earlier and then proving it versus trying to prove it and then ultimately, you know, figuring it out and trying to prove it. This is such great advice. I love this. And so I want to dig in a little bit. So one of the things that you said that's really important is the coachability that being coachable. And I remember from managing people and and trying to help SDRs to improve, that coachability was so critical. But you also have, you know, to be really great in sales, it seems you do have to be a little bit stubborn. So how do you how do you balance that with people to try to get them to be more coachable? But yet there's that stubbornness that's still really important, it seems. Yeah, I love that question so much. And actually, when I think about, you know, some of the best SDRs on the team, I'm certainly not saying that they'll just, you know, hear a direction or hear a call to action and then go back to their desks and do it without asking any questions. In fact, I think some of the best and most coachable people do have that stubbornness to them. Think, you know, like many things in life, what we'll say is like, it's all about using your powers for good. So the first thing that I would want, you know, the stubborn sales rep and maybe, hey, if this is you, power to you. I think conviction is a powerful thing. But when it comes to working, especially in a startup, right, as humans, I think adapting to change is not the most natural thing in our lives. And I do believe it's a choice and a skill that you can work to improve upon constantly speaking from experience of both myself and my team. So I think if you have, you know, if you know yourself well enough to know that you have stubborn tendencies and let's say something changes within your day to day that instinctively you don't agree with, I truly would say like, take a moment to just unpack that with yourself. Is it because you don't want to do the work that it will take to change it? Or is it because you don't understand the importance of it? And I think in either scenario, there's a right way to surface that and there's a very wrong way to surface that. I think the wrong way to surface it is with that initial reaction, which again, I think it's the most normal thing in a sales and an SDR environment to have that sort of initial you know, gut instinct to something that might change. Instead of leading with that, take a moment, unpack it, understand where that's coming from, jot down some reasons why you're feeling averse to the change. Better than that, and an incredible pro tip that has helped me work with my team really well is come with at least two or three ideas that you would have as alternatives if you don't think the direction is the right one, and then play them out with your manager. So also understanding that as, you know, individuals that are a part of a whole, what you say, how you say it, and in what forum you're delivering it will have a huge impact across your team and with your, you know, your leadership dynamic. Maybe some of you guys have experienced that in awesome ways and in more challenging ways. But I think when you surface concerns in a smart and vision-focused way, you will then get the resources either to be able to understand how a decision was, you know, made or arrived at, or, you know, why your solutions might actually be better. And then, you know, best thing ever for an SDR, especially at a smaller company is to enact change, right? I don't know many stories of change being enacted with that initial instinct being used to guide a conversation. 
I can think of a bunch of stories about that second one where you're coming with a few reasons, you know, why you might not agree. And better than that, a couple of solutions and alternatives to how you would like to see something conducted. Right. Because when you're first presented with a coachable moment, I think it's human nature for that ego to come up. A Absolutely. Just like, you know, it's, it's a gut reaction. And so, and so tell me, tell me more about what, what should they do when they feel like, you know, that, that ego is coming up and I want to be right, you know, what should they do? Uh, Absolutely. And I also will say, I think it's common to feel like something's being done at your expense. And I feel confidently that most organizations are not doing things just to make someone's life miserable, right? It's hopefully the opposite. So the first thing I would say an SDR is seek to understand. Again, like any good seller, you first want to understand before you speak. So take a moment to ask questions before you present your reaction. That might actually, you know, dissolve that initial fear or concern or, you know, just feeling of like uh, being unsettled as to why something is happening and how you're going to be successful within it and try to deliver the information first to your manager. So I'd say like the first thing to remember is like be conscious of the avenue and the forum that you're using to deliver this. Hopefully you've established a great foundation of trust with your manager. I do think that's the most important thing. And then you'll kind of know the style that you need to use to be able to you know, deliver your feelings or feedback. Something I like to do with my team is to sort of stop and say like, hey, I just wanna make sure I'm giving you the most useful information. Is this a vent or is this feedback? Because I'm actually all for venting. I think it's important. We all need ways to do it. You should be able to vent with your manager. I think making the distinction with them as you're sort of expressing yourself can make a world of difference. So I'll have members of my team say like, hey, Mo, I just need to vent for a second. And then I know like I don't need to be offering solutions. I don't necessarily need to be like, you know, giving them the, the chapter one of why. They just need an avenue to like express concerns. And it's probably just going to involve a little bit of instruction afterwards. If someone's saying, hey, Mo, I appreciate you know, the message about this change. I want to make sure I'm understanding why this is happening and what success will look like and potentially offer some alternatives. If someone says that to me, it's like, wow, what an awesome opportunity for me to hear this person out, potentially elevate them by you know, either expressing their concerns and messaging out those answers to the team or taking some of their solutions and making them something that is delivered across their team. That's a very mature approach because it seems like the natural instinct is to kind of just take, you know, take the coaching and then go back to your desk and like, ah, this freaking company, you know, these guys, manager, yeah, absolutely. you know, you, you become disgruntled, but instead, I mean, that was a, that's a much more mature way to, you know, take that, that feedback. Definitely. And something that sticks with me as something, you know, a manager of mine once told me is that delivering feedback is a great way to elevate yourself. Because if you think about it, like maybe it's a scary thing as an SDR or actually at any level to be giving feedback or to be, you know, expressing a difference of opinion to someone in a, a different type of role or in a leadership position. So that's why I feel very strongly when I say it's not necessarily about what you say. It's certainly about how you approach what you're trying to say and in understanding first so that when you, let's say, express your concern or make your pitch, it's landing. It's just like any other type of sale, right? Got it. And it's, it kind of rolls into one of the points that you made. It was around the culture 
and you observe this at Yelp and now you're building this at Greenhouse, but this is, this is a, a cultural, you know, I guess it's like a, a norm, if you will, like you're making the way that you deal with feedback and the way that you do co- coaching moments is also part of the culture that you're building, it seems. I think that's really true. And I should say here too, is like culture feels like, or it can seem like a fluffy thing. And I don't think it is at all. I think it goes into the category of organizational health, right? Where having a strong culture can really change the trajectory of, you know, making your company and your office a place where people want to show up. They want to be there for a long time. They want to do good work. And I've certainly, you know, been a part of teams where it's been challenging. I do think it's easier said than done, especially when, you know, you're, you're one part of a whole and, you know, you're working across a bunch of different teams and, you know, organizations within your company. So I think it's a, a constant area to think about and improve upon because it's not going to be the same. At least this has been true for me. It certainly can change depending on the dynamic of your team, your unique, you know, leadership structure, and then of course, anything else going on within your business. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I've, visited Yelp, you know, here in San Francisco, and there was definitely a certain vibe. It's almost like the culture is like a vibe. And, you know, it can depend on where you go. Each each company has a different sort of culture. How do you how do you create a culture if you're the like you're the director of sales development? So how do you create a culture for your program, you know, that expresses the values that you think are successful and important? Yeah, definitely. And it certainly was a, a big change for me coming to Greenhouse, which you know was an awesome decision. I'm, I feel really lucky for to be a part of this company. We have incredibly intelligent people that are a part of the team. And I think with that comes a lot of focus, right? So we have a team that's really hard at work. You know, they're, they're focused on their own book of business as SDR. So something that I'm kind of learning right now and that my team is helping me learn is that I think in some parts, culture is something to be led by, you know, your leadership team. And there are some times where you really need to hand the reins to your individuals to kind of sculpt what they want their culture to be about. So something that we utilize in the company are these tools called retros. Maybe some of you all are familiar with these, maybe not, but essentially it's a tool that I think was originally coined by engineers and please correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody has different data, but it's basically a way to take a step back and kind of zoom out and talk about as a team, what's going really well, what's okay, and what's bad, like what needs attention. And you spend a few minutes brainstorming in each column, and then you kind of go through and make sure everybody understands you know, what each comment means. And then ultimately you vote on what you think are you know, the top priorities of stuff that if you were to create a task force and action on, would really improve things. And so that's something, you know, we've empowered our team to do is to get together and think about stuff that's going well and stuff that feels like it's not going well and to sort of give them this structured environment to understand the best way to enact change, right? It's one thing to be sitting at your desk and feeling frustrated. That feels really bad, right? That's sort of like the speak out type of approach versus speaking up which is kind of tying in everything we just spoke about, which is like explaining why, understanding why things are the way they are, and then proposing some alternatives. That can be some of the most powerful experiences, especially for someone in an SDR role, to be able to take something frustrating and contribute to positive change. I think, you know, that I've seen that be, you know, career motivating type of movement. Like you can take something that your team is frustrated about, 
wrap it up into an action plan and be part of its pioneer in a different direction. I would hope that's like the best thing you can do in any sort of time period of frustration or where you wouldn't necessarily rank your team's culture at, you know, at an 11 out of 10. This is exactly how to do it. And this is such a great thing to think about because there's always, if you put people together into any sort of organization, there's going to be friction and tension and things that are not going well. And it really all depends on how you handle that as a leader to make it into something that's just natural human nature into something successful. And so what you're saying is there's an actual process for doing that. It certainly helps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, you know, if you're an SDR and you're listening to this, this might be and and you're in a place where you're feeling like stuff could be better. I would say, like, consider taking the initiative. Maybe this is a good opportunity to bring some of your frustrations up in that way that we're talking about, which is, you know, a productive way where you're really trying to partner with leadership and guide them to some of the cultural points that you'd like to see as an individual. Because certainly as a sales leader, you're very much working both for your business, but primarily on the day-to-day you're working for your team. So for me, it's the best thing when I hear somebody propose a solution, it makes my job that much more enjoyable. Yes. Taking the stress off of your leaders back is always welcome. And and what what would you say if there's someone out there listening and they're they're either, you know, a director or manager running a team or they're on a team and the culture is not that great, you know, in their organization, you know, and they're getting kind of frustrated, they're starting to look at look around like for different jobs and things like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's really common, especially as companies grow, right? This- that working for you at one size is certainly not going to be the stuff that's going to work for you at a different stage. Like what I like to think about is that line that's like, what got us here won't get us there. And it sort of ties back to that line about, you know, today's fish being wrapped in yesterday's newspaper and a successful career in sales being all about continuous self-improvement. And I think if you're listening to this and you're in that scenario that David's talking about, the question I would ask is like, do I have the ability in some way to tackle some part of this? And can I be the person that gets everyone together with a structured way to consolidate you know, our unique experiences, put them together and sort of prioritize them one by one? Because that's another thing is like, you know, we had an awesome VP at the company who used to say, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. And I think as leaders in especially, you know, fast moving companies, there is this pressure to do everything. And, you know, I think I'm throwing a lot of quotes at you, but there's this other quote that's like, chase one rabbit, catch one rabbit, chase two rabbits, catch no rabbits. And I could be wrong about this, but I think the takeaway is like, you have to focus on one thing at a time and you have to break it down into actions that are tangible and involve deliverables. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so is is it like, I mean, you know, if this is just a uh, scenario, but if, if someone's getting really frustrated, is the the best thing to do, heads down, do your job, try to really excel or, you know, like you said, do that, but then also try to find things that you can actually control and improve in the culture at the same time. And that, that'll really elevate you, it seems, in the organization if you can do both of those. Oh, I love the way that you're saying that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, do a great job, hit your number consistently, and and then add your suggestions in a positive way, the way Mo is going through at the same time. 
I love the way you're saying that. And when I'm having that meta conversation with someone that's like feedback about giving feedback, there is always that component of like, you have to show that you can do your job well. And that's either by, you know, hitting your numbers or at the very least that you're controlling everything in your power. And those you can really roll up to things like metrics and your attitude, right? So I'd say check those boxes off first and you can start today. Let's say you've had, you know, a tough couple of weeks or a tough couple of months, you can get with your manager about that too and be like, hey, I'd really love to help come up with a few ways to improve our culture. I know a part of that means showcasing that I care about this job. What are some gaps in that that you see that I can improve upon so that I can enact this plan? Like maybe you have to start there. And maybe it's just about being like, I know my metrics have been here. I'm going to commit to you to get them to this like plus one level so that I can work on this thing with you. Again, like if you can come to your manager and create incentivizing moments, you've just made their job so much easier and you've made it so much easier for them to be bought in and, and working with you and invested in your success as well. Because you're trying to do something not only to, you know, own your own book of business and be responsible to your own bottom line, but to help partner with the whole business to improve the way things are. It's amazing. If someone is proactive and they're positive and they're coachable, even if they're struggling or even if they're having a hard time, they're bringing you something and they're bringing you some ideas and they're bringing you you, that energy. You can't help as a manager, but I mean, if you're a good manager, if you're like Mo, you know, if (laughs) if you're a good manager, then you're going to you're going to bend over backwards for the person you know you're very kind to say yeah. <laughs> yes i think that's exactly right and i would say that to any sales leader listening or at, and especially any sdr individual seller if you work with your manager and almost coach them on how to coach you in the sense of like what's motivating for you and sometimes that includes frustrations it's like something that would be really motivating to me is if we figured out a way to discuss this frustration point in a productive way and either blow it up or improve it or, you know, create at least an initiative that opens up space for dialogue for it. I'm going to want to do, I'm going to want to work a little bit harder for that person because I know they care. And I think that like evidence of caring makes a huge difference. The buy-in, like you, you mentioned, even, even all these years later, you're still talking about, we were bought in to the mission, you know? Exactly. And, yeah. And if exactly. you can feel that, that makes a huge difference. A huge difference. Yeah. Well now, said. Let, let me ask you this. So you just switching gears a little bit, you were an account executive, right? And you came up through the ranks, managing smaller teams, managing bigger teams. Now you've got this gigantic team with multiple managers. What, what has been, what are some of the, you know, growing pains that you went through as you went from a small team to managing these big teams. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of fundamental differences between a company like Yelp and then transitioning to Greenhouse. So kind of speaking about that, when I joined Greenhouse, we had a a pretty small SDR function, again, with a lot of great best practices and a bunch of exciting opportunity to improve on, you know, the way things were. And now we're close to about 50 sellers across our SDRs across multiple offices with an awesome strong team of SDR managers. So there, from a career trajectory standpoint for me, I knew there was gonna be a learning curve, right? From small business selling a relatively simple product. Not that it was easy, but more simple to go over to a, a software company where you're selling B2B across 
segments and different types of organizations. So I think like number one, the challenge to tackle there was really diving in and understanding some of the differences and getting really familiar with some of the key motivations for both for SDRs to be able to get into these types of organizations and on the flip side for organizations to be excited and delighted to spend some time thinking about a solution like ours. I think the other thing and the biggest, most exciting part of transitioning to working with the SDR org at Greenhouse that I still find exciting today is unpacking our process. If you can really nail down and lay out what it means for your team or yourself as an SDR to have a strong process, you can continue to tweak and iterate and you know, make moves and become more efficient for a really long time as your company scales. And again, you need to be looking at it all the time using data because what worked for us two years ago is you know, night and day different from what's going to need to work for us going into 2020. So true. You know, that's something you don't hear people talk about that much, but you've mentioned it a couple of times. It's really something to think about in that, you know, the tactics and strategies from just a year ago or two years ago are just changing so fast now that you really got to stay on top of things. Absolutely. Between, you know, there's got to be a piece of technology now for every part of the SDR function that you could be and probably are trying your best to, you know, adopt and move on with. So revisiting your process regularly, I think, is a huge part of being a successful individual SDR and, you know, running an SDR org. Yeah, I mean, I think and that's what's so challenging about it is that it's like SDR is like a combination of art and science. And to be in, in your position, you must have to kind of master both sides of those those brains because the art is like what what are the sales skills and the you know the messaging and the the more you know the things that are harder to quantify. And then the science is like that process and constantly monitoring what the data is telling you, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I should say a constant work in progress, truly both an art and a science, and probably you all agree who are listening and, you know, involved in, in either SDR or SDR leadership, but it, it's a constant conversation to be had for sure. Yeah. Definitely. So what do you, where, where, where do you want to go with all this? I mean, you're like, what's next for you? You're really excited about the, the sales development world. And are you going to become the first chief sales development officer? <laughs> you know, I like the sound of that. I'm going to uh, nice. try to print those letters out and paste them to a vision board. So I, love I, I like that a lot. I'm learning a lot from this conversation. I think where I would go with it, this is, it's the thing that draws me to sales development. And so for anyone in it, I hope you agree, but I say this to my team a lot, or maybe not as often as I should, so I'll say it now. I do think sales development is one of the most important functions of any company. It's specific, it's niche. If it does a good job, it truly fuels your business and guides the potential that a company has to grow or grow either you know in scale or into new places. So I think the level of adaption and agility that it takes to do the job well is something that I think you spend a lot of time, you know, mastering or at least attempting to master. So I definitely see myself in sales development for the time being. And then, you know, maybe one day as chief sales development officer sounds really nice, <laughs> nice. but I certainly have some work to do. So <laughs> There you go. I cannot wait to see that. And, and actually, <laughs> 
you're going to hear it here first. So we we want to do our first sales development conference in in NYC. I read about that. That's awesome. Yes, and I want you to be involved. So you heard it here first, folks. If if Mo can make it, we want to get her up on the stage and dig into this because this is great material. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. And and if people want to connect with you, I just taught you a LinkedIn request. If they want to connect with you, LinkedIn, you know, how do we get in touch with you? Especially yeah, if people please. want to work with you on your team, because this is, sounds like an awesome team. Thank you for bringing that up. I would be more than happy to have a chat with anybody interested in connecting. You can find me on LinkedIn, Mo Moran, Greenhouse Software. We have an awesome team of really smart people. So I uh, would love to hear from you. Awesome. What a great opportunity. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom, and I look forward to working with you in 2020. Yeah, thank you so much, David. Hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.